Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. You know, there's something to be said about diving into uh, you know, the the minutia, the details of a life that has been lived so very uniquely. And you know what? If you're within the sound of my voice, that must mean you're in the seats with once more. As always, my name is Dave Voigt, and I'm the host of this podcast, where we sit down with a wide-ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals. We pick their brain about current projects, state of the industry, how they got started, and so very much more in a light and in a conversational fashion. And, you know, if you like how we do things around here, I'm going to assume that you do, because, quite frankly, you're listening right now. And if you are, uh, Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, give us the old five-star rating on your podcast provider of choice. We're available pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and plus we archive every single one of our episodes over at our In The Seats YouTube channel, so if you can give us a like and subscribe there as well, we would absolutely appreciate it. Also, don't hesitate to check us out on social media. We're on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Letterboxd, the TikTok, and, well, there's probably some other places that I'm forgetting about, too, at In The Seats. For all sorts of fun updates, and finally, and I do dare say most importantly, please pay us a visit over at In The Seats, intheseats.ca, for all the latest and greatest from the world of film, television, basically the moving image at large, because guess what? If we love to watch it and write about it and talk about it, we love it even more when you come by and read about it and listen about it. So do us that kindness and pay us a visit on this episode. Boy, oh boy, we got a fun one. We got a real interesting one. This film played uh, TIFF and a few other festivals, and it is called The Pigeon Tunnel, which is on Apple TV Plus as we speak. And it is a documentary about the life of uh, noted author John Le Carre. And it spans uh, six decades, as Lacare gives a, a very personal interview, intercut with archival footage, and we get anecdotes from his life. And it's set against the backdrop of the Cold War and extends into present day. It really shows what a unique man this guy was. And I mean, in the, and obviously the stories that he told were incredibly unique as well it's currently in the middle of a limited theatrical run and like i said it is streaming now uh on apple tv plus but uh we had the unique pleasure of sitting down with the producers of the film the one and only stephen and simon cornwell who just happened to be uh the sons of john lacare is uh, lacare is a pen name obviously but we dove into uh, the specifics about, you know, telling uh, this story, and I mean, if he wanted to tell the story, and, and really sort of breaking down the intricacies of this unique, unique storyteller in John le Carre, sitting next to, sitting down, being interviewed by another unique storyteller, the one only Errol Morris, who directed the film, but uh, it is a fascinating watch. If you're a fan of Le Carre, or if not, it's just really, really an interesting film. Uh, so, like I said, check it out on Apple TV+. Plus. It's The Pigeon Tunnel. But first, enjoy our talk with producers Stephen and Simon Cornwell, because between you and me, it's a darn good one. But gentlemen, first off, just thank you so much for the time today, and, I mean, and congratulations on the film. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Now, I mean, I, I suppose the first question is, uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Did Errol come to you, or did you guys go to Errol? Like, how did this ball start rolling? 
Well, Errol, Errol came came to us, came to me uh, first, but um, I, it's a hard question to answer because uh, our dad was already a huge fan of uh, Errol's work and, and uh, you know, had, had followed Errol's career and was huge fan of the fog of war. And so, um, you know, it, it, it was Errol who made the first reach out, but the reach out fell on very fertile soil, if that's not a horribly mixed metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, though, I'll take it. But I mean, I guess because just seeing, especially the structure, given how it was based off pigeon tail as opposed a uh, tunnel, excuse me, as opposed to sort of a more a more traditional sort of uh, bio documentary kind of pick, uh, like was that initially always the purpose? Because I mean, to see sort of an enigmatic filmmaker and an enigmatic writer sort of together, like it was really made for a lot of electricity that I can imagine even you guys wouldn't have even expected. I mean, I think. I mean, from er Errol loved the Pigeon Tunnel, uh, um, and um, he, I mean, as a book, he thought it was one of our dad's best books, and I think that's also a very Errol response because it speaks a lot to Errol's character. He loved the fact that it's this sort of constructed autobiography of truth, and but the truth that also say this might not be true, and he found that all fascinating, and was very drawn into that. I think the beauty of Errol's process and a fascinating part of working with Errol particularly as people that mainly live in the world of drama is that Errol as a documentarian finds his journey in the doing of it right he he and so it's not like he's laid out his path and just follows that path and and for him absolutely this was not a in any way a bio or you know some sort of definitive story of or beginning and end it was a journey into a conversation and an exploration that in its in its in its doing would define that fable or that story that he found or that path he found, and I think what's great about that interaction with our dad is that our dad, in a way, also I mean, obviously, is also a creator of story, and his storytelling as as a fictional writer is more to apply a fable into into uh, the world in which that story lives. So I think part of that that sort of chemistry that you see between them is that they're both amazing storytellers but they both find the story in slightly different ways and 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 by the way i think that um uh if we had ever suggested to our dad a biopic documentary that <laughs> began the day that he was born and and worked <laughs> it, um i you know he not only would have run a mile from the documentary, I doubt he would ever have spoken to us again. Yes, I think if we'd sent it in a room to both our dad and Errol simultaneously, they would have left by different doors and we'd never have seen either of them again. <laughs> so I, I think, uh, you know, if, if 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 this hadn't threatened, I mean, we had no idea where the journey was going to take us, but if it hadn't clearly had the ingredients of a of a creatively interesting journey from day one. Uh, it's not one we would ever have embarked on. For sure. Now, I mean, I'm curious, when did this entire process start? Because in just in watching the film, you definitely got the sense uh, that your dad was very happy that this was like, this was like the perfect time to tell this story and to do a film like this. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I suppose we, we started talking about the film almost exactly five years ago. Um, and we shot the interview um, pretty much exactly four years ago in October of uh, of 2019. Um, 
So it, you know, it's it 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 was the perfect time. I mean, uh, our you know our, our dad talks in the movie about being able to look back from his great age, but at the same time, you know, the movie clearly shows a man very much at the height of his power. So I think in in that uh, sense, it was perfectly timed. Um, you know, and the movie sadly. Because of the sort of the long journey, the the you know the the pandemic, and then our dad passing and so on, uh, it it uh, you know the the movie has been on quite a long creative journey since that interview. But it's um, I hope um, has paid off. I mean, that, you know, I well, I so, think it is. I mean, and then some. It's very good to hear. I mean, I I I mean, I think both of us love the movie with a passion, but we are uh, we're probably exactly the least objective people on the planet to make that assessment <laughs> so uh, um anyway but i mean that dovetails into something i've been dying to ask because i mean obviously you've been very involved with like uh, the myriad of uh, of adaptations for for the screen uh of your father's books but i mean how did he feel being involved in a film because it almost feels like the idea of one of his novels and, you know, a TV or a film adaptation don't necessarily go hand in hand because your father's books are so layered and they're so rich that you're just not going to be able to get all that on the screen. Well, I mean, I think, um, I mean, there are lots of answers to that in a way. I think some of his books are very, you know, tend to the more visceral and they're tighter and shorter or they have a, have a narrative core that actually works very well in featured context, but necessarily that adaptation has to have an opinion to it. It has to have an authorship to it. It has to be additive in a sense in terms of identifying the themes and the essence of that book. And then and bringing that into a cinematic feature context. Um, and, but, you know, and I think we've also been very lucky to live in an era of the rediscovery of longer form storytelling in, in, in really exciting ways in in broadcast or television or nonlinear that and in many cases those fit with his book beautifully right because they do allow you to do exactly that to 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 go much deeper into character to take your time to explore even to expand on things he's done in the books um and and so i mean he was very excited by adaptation um you know, he'd had years when he was frustrated by some of it, you know, by that by the time it took or the complexity or the studio system. But he became to be really excited by what it could bring and also to recognize that for a successful adaptation, it needs to become its own thing. You know, it needs its own creative voice, it needs its own talent, it needs its own authenticity, and it needs its own passion that that that, that drive it. People need to find themselves in the creation of those films or or television productions. Well, and I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing because I mean, I have love for for Gary's Gary Oldman's version of Tinker Taylor, but also the one with Alec, which I think is absolutely genius. And I mean, with that and Smiley's people, and I mean, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, like, where do you see sort of the legacy of your dad's work going, especially when it comes to film and television? Because I mean, again. So many of these stories, you can you can go back to the well. You can find more stuff. Like I said, the, both Tinker Tailors kind of stand on their own. Yes, I, I I think that's absolutely right. And I I mean I think in terms of broadly where where we're heading with the adaptations, I think there are you know a lot of his stories 
that translate extremely well into the present day, that uh, a lot of them sometimes even have gained relevance in, in the present day compared to the time at which they were written. And then I think there are, you know, obviously with the 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 spy who came in from the cold, the smiley sequence, uh, the smiley books, uh, you know, are are sort of fundamentally period. They speak to um, a divided war, a divided world with the you know the Berlin Wall and and uh, the the sort of west and east uh, opposed to each other. Um, and I I think those you know those those are pieces of storytelling that probably belong in period, but I mean at the same time, full of extraordinary metaphors for the present day. So um, I, you know I guess the challenge for for us for Stephen and me is is to find ways that are you know to adapt the great period sequences that um you know are, are faithful to the time that they were made in sure. but still or that they were written in um but still um speak to the present both in terms of the 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 sort of innovation of in in form and drama and storytelling that we've seen in, in and and that feel thematically relevant to the present day i mean okay we don't have the berlin wall but right. telling a story about a fundamentally divided world somehow feels kind of relevant today no totally now i mean just last question to put a bow on this in watching the film i really appreciated uh the art of being enig enigmatic which it really feels like it sums up what it what what your dad was all about now i'm kind of curious from your perspective what what do you feel your dad's legacy is, especially now with this film coming out to Apple uh, in a couple of weeks? I am what I hope his legacy is, and what I feel it is for me. And you see some of these things in the film. Is that yes, he you know he had, there were lots of things he was very skeptical of. He often wrote very stories that had a darkness to them that lived in a grey world. But the what you see in the movie, which is very true to him, is is a humor, a humanity, yeah. a huge curiosity in people and the world around him, someone that's absolutely focused on today and tomorrow, and almost despite himself and despite his self-analysis and self-criticism often, actually the glint in his eye can't deny some sort of essential optimism in those, in, in the human capacity, at least for creativity and voice, sure. and some positivity. And I think that spark in his eyes and that spark in his voice, and as you say, an enigma, which wasn't a false one. It was a self-questioning. Right. Life I And yet the mischief within it and the fun, that's what I would hope, you know, it's, it's a good part of his legacy as well as his extraordinary stories and characters. No, you're absolutely right. There's no artifice. It's just who he was. But I mean, on gentlemen, thank you for sharing uh, your dad's story and this story on the screen. And I can't wait for more and more people to see it. But thank you again for the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you thank so much. You. Lovely talking great to you. To talk. 
And don't forget to, to visit our friends over at Bay Street Video for all your DVD, Blu-ray rental, or purchasing needs this summer, as they are still open for curbside and some mailing delivery as well. Over at 1172 Bay Street, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, you can give them a call at 416-964-9088. That's 416-964-9088. Or send them an email at baystreetvideoto at gmail.com for any of your DVD and Blu-ray needs.